0: Welcome to the Black and Gold Bannerhead Podcast. Jeff Sharon with you, flying solo with you for this show. Eric Lopez, uh, we're going to talk to him in a little bit. He's actually up in Greenville, North Carolina, at the American Athletic Conference Softball Tournament. Uh, We're going to check in with him and uh, talk about UCF softball. Of course, they came up short uh, in their uh, first game in the uh, AAC tournament against the uh, hometown uh, East Carolina Pirates. We'll reflect on that. We'll reflect on the softball season uh, in general, and a couple of other things. We're also going to have Brian Murphy on the show, our baseball writer at blackandgoldbanner.com. Brian will be do- will be talking about uh, UCF baseball uh, as they head down the stretch in their uh, regular season with the uh, uh, American Athletic Conference baseball tournament just a couple weeks away. A couple big home series still left to go here, including one t- uh, on the road against Cincinnati this weekend that's worth paying attention to. A couple of reminders for you before we get started. Make sure you follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com. You can sign up for email alerts there for all of our latest content. Uh, you can also uh, follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore banneret. You can follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon and Eric at Eric Lopez Elo. You can also follow Brian at Spokes Murphy as well on Twitter. Don't forget to hit us up on Facebook. Just look us up at blackandgoldbanneret as well. And you can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes. Don't forget to leave us a, uh, a review uh, as well over there. Uh, you can also hit us up on SoundCloud, uh, Google Play, and tune in as well. All right, let's dive in. We'll start off with softball. UCF losing to East Carolina four to two in the uh, in the American Athletic Conference um, quarterfinals. Uh, ECU, the home team, hosting the tournament this year. And uh, UCF jumped themselves up to third, actually, to finish off the regular season with winning two out of three against Tulsa, which was a real surprise, uh, considering that, you know, Tulsa had wrapped up the conference regular season tournament uh, weeks, uh, a couple weeks, or, or not a couple weeks, but a, a week before. So uh, UCF went into Tulsa, won two out of three, and that bumped them up to a third in the conference. Pretty good, considering how up and down the series has been. But they come up short against East Carolina, in the American Athletic Conference uh, tournament. And uh, Eric Lopez joined me via phone uh, earlier to talk about uh, the season for UCF softball and uh, what to look forward to for 2018 when the time uh, comes around. So without further ado, here is that interview with Elo. What's up, Elo? How's Greenville?
1: I'm doing okay. Uh, Working for the American Digital Network, uh, the quarterfinals and the, the semifinals recording of this got one more semi on Friday but uh, certainly a little mixed feelings cuz uh I'm by myself here Jeffrey I am with the uh, UCF and uh unfortunately UCF is no longer here uh, I'm still here but uh, unfortunately the Knights are not
0: Yeah so they come up short 4 to 2 against the home team the Knights came in as the three seed it moves so quickly because last uh last week you know they managed to 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 beat Tulsa 2 out of 3 in uh, in Oklahoma number one team in the conference, and they go on the road and take two out of three, three for them and, and boost themselves into the three-seed UCF does. And then first game out, you're playing the home team, East Carolina. You and I both thought that this was going to be a tough game. And, uh, and it, it, you know, what was it, tied at one at one point, and then ECU hit back-to-back homers. Um, UCF had a chance. It was 2-1. It was 2-1. to, two one to one. Okay, 16. yeah, gotcha.
1: Yeah, and there was a sequence. It was a bad sequence. We go to the bottom of the fifth. Knights got a threat going. Courtney Roden is at the plate. She hits a, a, a pop-up to right. It's kind of a blueprint sinking. And Oshiro, the senior outfielder for East Carolina, makes a sliding catch. If she doesn't make that catch, the game is at least tied at two. Maybe UCF takes the lead mm-hmm. with runners going in motion on contact with two outs. Instead, they fall behind two to one. And then you got Meredith Burroughs. And in my check, both power hitters for this Pirates offense that has 64 home runs as a team hit back-to-back home runs to make it four to one, and that's really what what hurt the night, uh, you know. And that was disappointing. You mentioned the Tulsa series; that was they played tremendous, beating the regular season champions two out of three at Tulsa, and you thought that could build some momentum. But you know, it's weird, Jeff. I had a bad feeling. And, and and this goes back to when the schedule was announced. I didn't like the fact that UCF ended the season at Tulsa right before the tournament. And the reason is, that is not an easy flight from Orlando to Tulsa. First of all, it's not a direct flight. You've got to probably have a stop in Houston or Dallas or somewhere.
0: Probably Oklahoma City or something like that.
1: Something like that. Whatever. I mean, whatever you choose and whatever options you have. So, I, you know, the team, You know, it's not an excuse. It's just reality. They play the game Sunday. They win the game. They fly back. Orlando, they probably got back around midnight, having done that trip. They got back around midnight Sunday night. Now you got one day to prep to fly out Tuesday to Greenville. Then you find out late Monday night, oh, due to weather concerns, we got to move up your game against East Carolina from Thursday to Wednesday.
0: Yeah, that's where I think they got caught.
1: And here's the problem. So while UCF is doing all of this traveling All the way from Tulsa to Orlando, and then now you got a day, and then now you got to travel from Orlando to Raleigh, and then you got to bus two hours to Greenville. Because as you know, there's not a direct flight to Greenville Mm -hmm. uh, from Orlando. Meanwhile, the host team, East Carolina, had a bye week in conference. They didn't have a game, so they're rested. And while UCS traveling, I guarantee you, East Carolina was practicing. Uh, for multiple days, getting ready. And so I just thought it was a tough spot. You're playing at the the host team's uh, place, and with all the travel situation, it, it was really a tough, tough situation for this young team. I think a veteran team is not as affected by those kind of things, but when you have so many young players and so many freshman players that are going through this the first time, Jeff, you don't know how they're going to react to that. Fair
0: point, but... Can I play Devil's Advocate with you for a second?
1: Absolutely.
0: UCF had 10 hits in the ball game. East Carolina had 5. You get 10 hits in a 7 inning ball game and you only get 2 runs. You're leaving people all over the bases left and right. You got to get a hit. When the and, and I thought that, you know, sort of the microcosm of it was the bottom of the 7th. You get the you're you're down 3, right? But they had but the Knights had 9-1 and 2 coming up. So, Megan Greenwell gets the gets a single. And then Linnea Goodman, and then consecutively, Linnea Goodman grounds out to first on a rocket. Uh, and then Brittany Solis grounds out to third on a rocket. And then all of a sudden, it's two out, runner on second. That's when um, Cassidy Brewer steps up to the plate. You get a hit in the right spot, and now you have two on, one out at the very least for Cassidy Brewer, who, as we know, her, her bat's just been just been exploding of late. Uh, you could probably, possibly, instead of scoring one run, you score two on her double. Now it's four to three with one out, and you got Courtney Roten up, and then she grounded out to short uh, to end the ball game. But you know, like I said, I mean, it, it's it's not like UCF looked tired out there. I mean, the bats were alive; they had ten hits in the game, and they couldn't and they couldn't push anything across.
1: Well, but they couldn't get like back to back hits; they couldn't get that momentum rolling. And you know, the ECU softball stadium is a place where. You know, there's only like left field if the winds blow it out, you could hit it out of there. But, you know, center field's two twenty. So yeah. it, it, it was just tough to manufacture hits, Richie and hit her spots when she needed to. And UCF made some mental mistakes effectively that led to East Carolina getting, you know, the first couple of runs in all honesty. So that didn't help. I think if UCF would have gone off to the lead early, I think it would have settled things down. But it happened. And yeah, right, they they had chances and didn't they didn't that they didn't have that big inning that two three inning with momentum or three or four hits in a row, and uh, that's the name of the game. I think it was a, a learning experience for a lot of young players. Remember, this was Aaliyah White's first ever postseason game as a freshman. Um, I think she she takes a lot from that. She'll learn from that, uh, and and certainly I think a lot of the young players learned from that. I mean, there was a play where there, UCF had a chance to pick off the runner in first base. And Aubrey Johnson's covering first can't handle the, the, the throw by Brewer. Yeah. And in that inning, the Pirates get a run. the player where Leah White has a, a slow ground at first can't beat out the ECU runner. I mean, things like that. Those things are magnified uh, in postseason. And it's a learning experience. You can't, you know, you, it, and I don't think it was an accident with East Carolina throwing a senior, Lydia Ritchie, who has, that was her third consecutive year starting a conference tournament game. She knows what, you know, what's going on. Not to mention the fact she's pitching at her own home park. So, Uh, It was just a lot of things. It wasn't UCF's day at the end of the day. Unfortunately, in a single-elimination tournament, that's going to happen. It wasn't their day. The ball didn't bounce their way, and uh, that's kind of sometimes the name of the the game.
0: See, I'm telling you, man, double elimination.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, uh, we'll see what happens with Wichita State getting at It's funny. I mean, people have asked me about that, and uh, you know, I don't have a strong opinion either way. I'm fine with either way. The question becomes, And that's the hot topic is if you do a double elimination, uh, I don't think they want to do eight teams for double elimination. I mean, uh, Conference USA is currently doing something, some variations of it. And uh, I think if you're going to do a double elimination, do you limit the number of teams that play in the tournament to four to six? I don't see teams doing it for eight, but who knows what time will tell. I know this year I can tell you it's the first year that the American Conference has put in this rule where the higher seed is always the home team. You know how in the past in the tournament, uh, Jeff, they would rotate on who's the home team based on who, how many times a team's been home, how many times a team's been on the road. Well, they've done away with that in softball. And I do wonder if they're going to do that in Clearwater for baseball in a few weeks. But, um, you know, step-by-step and, uh, you know, again, the young team, uh, disappointing result. But, you know, I I think it's something that a lot of those young players will learn and then take with them uh, moving.
0: What did Coach Gillespie say after the game?
1: Well, it's just disappointing. A lot of mixed as It always is at the end of the season, you you know, the seniors. Let's talk about the seniors, Jeff. Brittany Solis, Lenea, I think she's emotional, sad, because that's probably, and we'll get into the postseason situation a little bit, but Brittany Solis, Lenea, Goodman, Willow, Callan, and Benemi, so four seniors. But you look at Lenea, four years, Brittany Solis, four years, part of two regular season championships. Uh, teams and and also a regular you know the, or regular season championships two regular season championship teams and a tournament title three NCAA tournament appearances. I think she was disappointed, Coach Lesper, that they couldn't get Solis and Linnea to that elusive fourth straight NCAA tournament, which no UCF player has ever done. That would have been a first. And uh, with the, with how they met to the program, I think that was she was disappointed for them. Willow Callen, it would have been three for three for her. So that was the disappointing part, and I think she felt, you know, disappointed with some of the miscues defensively, and like you mentioned, some of the timely hitting to choices, the runners in score position not able to cash in. I think uh, you're going to get beat that way. There's no question about that. I think that's I think the, what Coach Gillespie kind of shared afterwards, and I think what everybody would share afterwards.
0: UCF 63 in the RPI coming into this weekend. They have any shot at the NCAA?
1: No, I don't think so. And, you know, at the time that we record this, uh, the American Conference right now is looking at a one-bid league. Uh, the only chance they have is if Houston wins the championship game, uh, or if Tulsa, let's say, does, let me put it there, Tulsa does not win the championship. Uh, that's where the only reason I think they'll get two bids in. South Florida, who some people thought maybe had a shot with a deep run to maybe get in as a large got absolutely blown out by Memphis. So I think they're out. Uh, but no, I, I don't think so. Not this year. That the RPI is too high. Historically, you don't get in as an with the sixty some RBI in softball. And the problem this year is one of the storylines going into Selection Sunday is how many teams is the SEC going to get? They have thirteen teams in softball. Some people think, myself included, that they might get all thirteen teams in. Holy moly, really? Well, yeah. And if that's the case, that's going to be two or three spots that normally would be available that are not available, and you know that's going to be at the expense of probably Southern programs within the area, and probably not Power 5 schools. So even if UCF maybe had a better RPI, they might have gotten left out. So it remains to be seen. But, no, I just don't think they have the opportunity for that. And then let me address this. There's another postseason now. Uh, It's kind of, and I'll make it simple for the audience, but it's kind of like the NIT. They're starting the softball version of the NIT, kind of like the women's NIT in basketball and men's basketball. It's a little different in that the NCAA is not involved with this tournament. It's more like the women's basketball NIT where you got to spend money to participate in the tournament. You know, It's not like the men's basketball NIT where the NCAA covers that. Uh, I don't expect UCF to accept that. They will not accept an invite to that. I don't think UCF, you know, I think the program is... You've just gone to three straight regional finals. I don't think they're all of a sudden going to say, "Well, let's just settle for the NIT or whatever it's called." I believe. And, it's called the It's called uh, the
0: NISC, the National Invitational Softball Championship.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I know. And I don't see UCF doing that this year, and I don't see them wanting to spend that money for that. And and again, when you're coming off three straight NCAA tournaments, that's a disappointment. You don't make the NCAA. That's the bar that's set in this program. And. Uh, I kind of agree with it personally. I don't think you'd get much out of it in the situation that you're in to participate in that. I think certainly for a program like men's basketball that hasn't been to postseason in a while, or even women's basketball, I understand that. But for softball, I don't. I think that they're going to use this as motivation for next year that it's NCAA or bust. We don't settle for things, and I think that's going to be part of the message going into 2018.
0: Well, I think it would be nice if UCF got the chance to host and then if you sent like a bunch of Southern teams down to UCF, like you know, if you had some teams you wanna, from you pick up the A Sun. Well, I yeah, <laughs> good point. But at least <laughs> but if you got some local teams that are coming around that, that may come and foot the bill for it and, and help foot the bill at least for some of the hosting costs through through ticket prices and all that, I think that that you know, I, I would at least have to think about that. But then again, of course here I am spending other people's money
1: yeah through, from what I've been told the ho- if you're hosting, you're probably spending up to fifteen to 20 grand whew. per round uh, per, per weekend. And, uh, uh, you're I could use
0: another, another car that's for sure.
1: On- <laughs> yeah now if you go on the road it might be less. if you If you don't host, you go on the road. And, but one of the other issues is, here's the other problem. So let's say UCF is in this postseason, and we saw this with women's basketball. You know, women's basketball got to host the tournaments, but, and they played Stetson. Now, they didn't play Stetson in the regular season this year, so it wasn't as big of a deal. So, for example, for softball, where there's a lot of midweeks, you know, let's say they get an FAU, hypothetically, or an FIU, or... Well, those are teams that normally you play anyway. You don't want to play them in a, in a postseason year. I mean, you
0: already play them. That's nothing that exciting. Yeah, um, so, say I, I, I was saying I was going to say you're looking at teams like FAU, UNF, uh, right, and, right. and maybe so- I don't know uh, pff, some team like uh, you know that from the south, but not from you know, but not from you know, Florida. Like some team like uh, oh god, I don't know Liberty or something like that, right?
1: Right, I have some questions about this postseason. I'm, I'm not against it. I'm for it, but I think there's some things that have to be tweaked. For example, I think the price, if it's true that you have to be spending like 15 to 20 grand to participate in host, I think that needs to be lowered. Uh, that needs yeah. to be lowered immensely. I think it needs to be more in the maybe five grand range. And softball, you know, you're, you're not, you're not going to get administration to kind of buy into that. I mean, you're having a hard time enough getting support during the season itself. And look, I'm not even a big endorser of spending that money moving forward. For example, uh, for like if men's basketball, well now men's basketball was a bad example because the NCAA covers that, but to an extent. But uh, I, I don't. I think you have to be careful on what the team season is. If your expectations were to make the NCAAs and you fall short, I don't think players are going to be excited to participate in the NIT or the women's NIT uh, tournament. And I think that's something that's got to be thought about moving forward because the last thing you want to do is spend money and then your team goes through the motions and doesn't, you know, show up which as you've seen Jeff happens a lot in NITs and men's basketball. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you got to make sure that it's it's worth it in terms of and and that and that comes down to the coaches too. And and the coaches having a, a frank and honest conversation with um with, with the with your athletic director and your sports uh administrator saying, "Look, do you think we could you think we could get out of here and win this and, A, recoup our money and, B, play enough games or it'll be worth it? And the coaches have to be honest and say, yeah, I think so. Or, you know what, not this year. And then you make your decision based on that. And Sometimes those are difficult conversations to have.
1: They are. And expectations, a lot of it will play. Like women's basketball, for example, had no expectations going in. They had a tremendous turnaround. You could see why they hosted a women's NIT basketball game. But I don't know if moving forward, Jeff, that that's even a great idea for, okay, like next year or two, years from now, okay, women's NIT have to settle for the NIT. At that point, you might have to consider something. Maybe you don't want to host a game and spend money or things like that. So it's going to be interesting how this plays out. And from what I've been told, it looks like volleyball is headed in the same direction with a similar type of tournament like softball. which yeah. will be very interesting to see how they can make that work. So. Um, you know, I, I guess I, I don't expect it to be in postseason. Uh, and I think, honestly, now that the season's over, I think if you had some terrific and they'll never acknowledge it. They never look at it this way. But from an outside perspective, considering that you lost 10 seniors, including an arguably one of, if not the greatest pitcher in your program history, certainly the most decorated pitcher in the history of the program, and Shelby Turner was an All-American, all-time winningest pitcher. You lose a player of the year in 2015, and Jessica Guevara is one of the top five power hitters of all time in the program's history, as well as Samantha McClowski, who also ranks in the top five. This team was starting from scratch. You had three freshman pitchers. Uh, you know, it, I, I think it, to win, have a winning season, finish third in the conference, get a win over Baylor, you know, I think it's building blocks. It's a good step for next year. Where they're gonna get a they got a tremendous class coming next year. They've got a pitcher that's one of the top pitchers in the state of Florida coming in next year uh, from down in the South Florida area that they're really excited about. So I think pair up with Aaliyah White. I think there'll be another pitcher added to that. They got an infielder coming in that's one of the best infielders in the state. that could be uh, in the play there. So they, they're they're re, they're re certainly getting more talent up. It's just that you had so much young. Youth this year, you kind of have to take some babies, and, and that hurt them a lot. Yeah, you, uh,
0: was, uh, you broke up there for own. a second. It was to me, you said Tamisha Glover when she when she hurt yeah, herself Tamisha in the Houston Glover series. Yeah,
1: was playing tremendous third base, hitting in the middle of the lineup, getting hurt and lost for the season. And that Houston. Glover stays healthy, I think they win a couple extra games, and maybe that's the difference between maybe they're still playing in the conference tournament, maybe they're in the NCAA tournament. The room for the margin for error is that thin. In softball, it's very fascinating. So a lot of things didn't go their way. uh but at the end of the day, they still had a season. And I think there are a lot of positives when you look at the all eight conference selections overall on the roster. And uh, you got players like Aaliyah White, who's a second team all conference coming back. Clarkowski's coming back here. Clarkowski, a hitter. You've got certainly Courtney Roden coming back. Uh, Cassidy Brewer, first team all conference. Who I think. Uh, is really right now headed for a, a, a tremendous second half of her career. I mean, she keeps getting better and better every day. Yeah, I'm she to me, she
0: was, like the, she was like the real breakout star this year, I thought.
1: Oh, yeah. No question of first-team all-conference could do it all. I mean, she's just getting better and better. And, and with some of these young recruits coming in, especially in pitching, I think UCF will be fine next year. And, and, and once again, we'll contend and, and get back to the postseason playoffs.
0: You answered. You, by the way, by doing, going through all that, you answered my last question. So you're all set. So, <laughs> all right. So real quick, wow. what do you uh, what do you got? You're at, you're on the American Digital Network. You and Jeff Brightwell, who we know from uh, from Memphis, yep. um, you guys have uh, the second semifinal Friday uh, Friday afternoon, one p.m. That's Tulsa, the one seating against Memphis. Uh, the five seed, and then the winner of that game plays Houston. How about Houston getting an extra day off before the championship game on ESPN on Saturday? Nice break there, huh?
1: No question about it. Houston, obviously, the way they affected it, Houston got to play early, and they're going to get a chance to set. They're playing very well. I would not be surprised if Houston wins the championship and gets a bid, which would be good for the American Athletic Conference, obviously. That would be a second team into the field, guaranteed. Uh, They're playing Savannah, Heedner, is played at a very high level. Two shutouts as a pitcher, reminding me a lot of Angel Shamblin, what she did ten years ago when Houston won the tournament title in Orlando. But yeah, it should be a good final. It'll be on ESPN. Uh, Mark Neely and uh, so in uh, former Arizona great, uh, you know Jenny Dalton Hill, will be on that broadcast team. And actually, yours truly uh, will be working uh, some stats for nice. uh, that broadcast. Actually.
0: Nice brother. All right. We'll be watching. We'll be watching on the American Digital Network, which uh, you can yeah, pick up also, on YouTube. A note,
1: yes. Yeah. Yeah, make sure, yeah. American Digital Network and keep it on the social media which you can give out. Me and Haley Alvin will have a you know, hopefully have a pre game leading into the championship game on Saturday. We're gonna have post game wrap ups. You can in fact it's probably posted by the time this, this podcast is up. We recapped Houston's uh Run to the championship game. We'll do a similar one for the winner of Memphis and Tulsa. So a lot of softball coverage, as you know, Haley is just the, the busiest person working in town, and I'll be working with her the weekend. So uh, hopefully, hopefully, people can enjoy that coverage uh, on the softball side. But uh, you know, Greenville is uh, is fun. And uh, I know you're gonna you're gonna enjoy yourself when you get up in Clearwater for baseball tournament, which is gonna be wild in a few weeks as well for the tournament.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be fun, especially the run up leading up to it, man. So, all right, well, safe travels. Have fun up in Greenville. Tell all the folks we said hey, and uh, I'll see you when you get back. All right.
1: Sounds good, Jeffrey.
0: And don't forget to follow Eric at Eric Lopez ELO. You can also uh, follow the American Athletic Conference and the action at the tournament uh, the rest of this weekend. Uh, on at American uh, on the American Digital Network, Eric's doing play-by-play there. The Twitter handle is American underscore DN. American underscore DN, and also for all the latest softball news from uh, the American, uh, hit up Twitter at American underscore S Ball. American underscore S Ball. Stick around because coming up next, we'll talk baseball with Brian Murphy. This is the Black and Gold Panorat Podcast.
2: Facebook and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all new nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on. Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret
0: podcast. All right. Thanks to Andrew and Trace. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. A reminder to follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore banneret on Facebook at Black and Gold Banneret as well and at black and and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and tune in. All right, flipping over to baseball, UCF uh, coming up on a couple big weekends here. they finish off uh, they actually defeated Miami uh, on Wednesday night uh, by uh, down in Coral Gables. Uh, and we had uh, Brian Murphy on, our baseball writer for Black and Gold Banner, actually, as that game was finishing up uh, to talk about the direction of UCF baseball. Of course, that marked uh, Greg Lovelady's return to his old stomping grounds down in uh, Coral Gables, where he went to college before and uh, played, won a couple national championships. So, uh, and, and also UCF baseball has two key conference series coming up uh, against uh, Cincinnati at Cincinnati before they Uh, Wrap up at home against USF uh, and sandwiched in between those three game conference sets as a road tilt against FAU coming up uh, in Boca. But uh, nonetheless, the Knights and Greg Lovelady in his first year find themselves in the thick of the uh, American Athletic Conference uh, regular season title race. And to talk about that, here is my interview with our baseball writer at Black and Gold Banneret, Brian Murphy. What's up, Brian?
1: Hey,
2: Jeff. How are you doing tonight?
0: Good, brother. Thanks for uh, coming in on this uh, unusual show with Lopez out of town. <laughs> and uh, and we're, ta- we're taking a look at UCF baseball tonight, uh, facing the Miami Hurricanes. And uh, uh, things got turned around real quickly, and you had a little preview of this game coming in with Greg Lovelady returning back to his uh, old stomping grounds. And, uh, well, stomping, I well, maybe not stomping is the appropriate, the appropriate word at this point. But as we're recording this, it's uh, top nine. The UCF's up three to one. And uh, you know, and this is, I I, you know, as a UCF fan, I mean, this is great to see. Wow, UCF's beaten Miami in Coral Gables. That doesn't happen all that often, does it?
2: It does not. But this is not exactly the Miami team that everybody's used to. True. Yes, the offense of this Hurricane team is abysmal. Uh, It is. I think they have the fourth worst. uh, I mean, just think of the Miami Hurricanes. All the players, they've churned out in the major leagues offensively. This Hurricanes team has the fourth-worst batting average in D1. I think there are 295 teams in D1 baseball. They are 291st, barely ahead of the likes of luminaries such as New York Institute of Technology and, I think, Savannah State or Mississippi Valley State. Like it, It's gotten way bad for the Hurricanes. And they are very close to miss, missing the tournament, which is uh, incredibly rare.
0: Yeah, first time. If they missed the tournament, Lopez and I were talking about this week. It'd be the first time in forty-four years that they would miss out on the tournament. The last time that they missed the tournament was nineteen seventy-two. I mean, yeah, none of us were alive. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's that's almost impossible. But yeah, but I mean, hey, UCF getting you know you know at least as of right now um, you know in the lead. And uh, and they seem to be getting good production. I, I was really impressed so far. I think this narrative for you, this UCF team right now, and I want to know what you think of this, because you follow them much more closely all year. Yes. The the pitchers and the way Greg, Greg Lovelady has used them, in particular tonight, he's thrown four pitchers out there each two innings, heading, and they still have, obviously, the bottom of the night to finish out. But um, the pitchers that, the way he has used the pitching staff, I think he's just played his cards perfectly well. What's been the secret for Greg Lovelady and this pitching staff?
2: Well, I think you know with Greg Lovelady, he is a big bullpen guy. He will always tell you that he never wants to overwork his starters. Mm-hmm. um now some some people some some managers might disagree with that. Um, but with him, his philosophy is get the best out of your starters as you can for six innings, maybe. Five or six innings, and then go to your bullpen. Uh, and what he wanted to do is bring in an established, dominant back end of the bullpen for this team. And this team this year is really, really good at the back end. Um, they have, you know, a myriad a, a of pitchers who are very good in relief. But the back end of Jason Barr and Bryce Tucker have been uh, superb this year. I think Jason Barr actually gave a run tonight, which is rare for him but Jason Barr is averaging about 14 Ks per nine and Bryce Tucker, who actually gave up a run over the weekend in the series to Tulane in a game in which I think he was tacked with a loss. I believe his ERA uh, as I'm pulling it up, I believe his ERA is under one even with the run he gave up over the weekend. Um, So again, it's about getting good work out of your starters, but not overtaxing them and then leaning on your bullpen. And uh, he's been able to do that because that bullpen is really, really good.
0: Well, Eric Heppel has made eleven appearances, hasn't given up a run. Thad Ward has made twenty-two appearances, his ERA zero point six four. Trent Thompson's made fourteen appearances, zero point seven five. Bryce Tucker twenty-two appearances, zero point nine two. Jordan Sheff's twenty-two appearances, one point eight five ERA. So yeah, I mean it's been it's been murderer's row for the bullpen. And you talked about Barr. I mean, we know how good he's been, particularly. Um, in, the, in relief,
2: uh, it, a lot of his 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 ERA is actually inflated a little bit, right? Because early in the early in the year he was starting, and while he was still striking out a lot of guys, he may, he was giving up you know two or three runs in four or five innings. But since he's come into relief, his ERA is barely over two. Yeah,
0: he's actually right now um, leading the team in strikeouts at the moment. With he had seventy one coming into tonight, so he had four tonight, so seventy five. And yeah, uh, and
2: the. the the weird, the weird thing about that is, so if he pitched two innings tonight. Mm-hmm. He's at 48 and a third innings. To qualify for, like, an individual pitching stat for a D1 statistic, you have to average one inning per team game played. Well, he's at 48.1, and this is UCF's 49th game. So he's very close to to qualifying. But why that's significant? If you took his case per nine average mm-hmm. and it was actually qualifying, which he only needs two more outs, really he would actually have the third best case per nine average in the, in the entire country at about fourteen point one per wow. nine.
0: Wow, that has been so. Has there been a secret to it, or just, or, or is it just the way that Love Lady has just said, "I'm going to ride the bullpen," and it's just been such a tremendous change from last year and really every year under Terry Rooney, where Rooney let the uh, let the let the starters go and really didn't have much confidence in his bullpen.
2: You know, a couple of things that they've said, uh, a couple of pitchers, uh, the relief pitchers I've talked to have said that they feel much more comfortable pitching in the zone this year, and it's been stressed to them over and over again by Love Lady and my pitching coach, Justin Justin Parker, who deserves a lot of credit, too, about, look, guys, throw your stuff in the zone, make the guys hit it. Don't give any free passes and trust your stuff to know that you can stay away from barrels. Uh, I think with the previous regime, I think they weren't given as much faith to just attack the zone, attack the zone. I think they're doing that now, and I think their work it's working, obviously, and I think that breeds confidence because now they know they can throw whatever they want to throw, and they don't really have to nibble that much. They can throw their their sub, and uh, they they can trust they can throw it in the zone because they're getting weak contact. They're getting balanced
0: well they 're also getting some hits too, by the way, because they just tacked on a pair while we were just talking now it 's now five to one in the ninth in favor of the uh, in favor of the Knights as uh, Luke Hamblin continues his run he's uh, He just picked up a two RBI single and I want to talk about the bats a little bit too because uh, I think that that 's yeah. gone relatively uh, unheralded. You still have four guys over the three hundred mark uh, four everyday guys uh, in particular Putnam Hamblin uh, Ryland Thomas, and Micah. Um, and Matthew, Mike, I wanted to talk a little bit more about Rylan Thomas, who's just been a revelation as a freshman, yeah. um, leading the team in RBI with 44. He's got 11 home runs, and he's hitting over 300 at 303. Has he been a pleasant surprise, or, or were they more or less expecting this from him?
2: I mean, he knew he was going to come in, and he, you know, his, his job is to produce runs. He's a power bat. Uh, that's what he was in high school. Uh, I think, you know, hitting. He's hit, he's hit fourth regularly for this team. I think maybe he didn't expect to be in a, in a cleanup spot right away for this team as a freshman. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, I talked to him on Tuesday, very quiet, uh, unassuming kid, uh, doesn't like to brag about himself. Although, yeah, you look at his numbers, he's slugging 539. He's got an OPS over 900, well over 900, um, or just about 900. And he's just like, you know, I'm just doing my job, just driving in runs. But I think that for Love, Lady, and for his coaches, yeah, they needed this. Because the offense this year, there have been some good spots. They will say that the offense has needed to pick it up to the pitching's level. And without Rylan Thomas there with his 11 home runs and 44 RBIs and that production, this offense is really, really hurting. So I don't know if they would say that it was a surprise to them, but I know for a fact that they are uh, pleased and lucky to have him not only this year but going forward as a building block and it also stands for reason to mention that Rowland Thomas has made seven appearances at the bullpen and has not given up a run in eight innings. because everyone everyone out of that bullpen gives up no run. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, the, the, his lone win actually in the uh, out of the uh, as a pitcher actually came in uh, that one game earlier this season that capped off the series against Central Michigan. When he had that, mm-hmm. I think it was like eleven or twelve RBIs in that weekend, and then he got. And then Luke Hamblin actually had the walk off hit in the final game of the series that gave Ryland Thomas his first career win uh, on the mound. But mm-hmm. man, the uh, the the hitting has been something not just for Thomas, but for everyone all the way around. I want to take a look at the schedule here coming up because we're coming up yeah. on the uh, we have two more weekend regular season weekends, and then it's tournament time over in Clearwater. Um, the Knights yeah. are currently in the standings in second place, well tied for second in the American uh with Houston, who themselves are going through quite a bit of turmoil. I was reading earlier today, uh, with one of their top pitchers uh, having been dismissed from the team. Um mm-hmm. there right now UCF and Houston uh all square at eleven and seven in the league, both teams over thirty wins. The Knights are thirty three and fifteen overall. Houston's thirty one and seventeen USF is leading the conference at thirty-eight and ten, and the Knights are welcoming, or actually, excuse me, heading up to Cincinnati, who is third from the last, in, third from last place in the league at eight and ten over, at eight and ten in the conference, and twenty-six and twenty-three overall. But they are fourteen and nine at home. Uh, the Bearcats are, and they've won four in a row coming in. So, what is the outlook on this series? Because I feel like with USF coming up uh, in the following weekend, the home weekend, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. May eighteenth through the twentieth, it could be really easy to look at where Cincinnati is in the standings and think, Ah, yep. don't worry about it. We got this. Let's just take care of business, and then we'll and then we'll and then we'll we'll take on USF later on. But um, but Cincinnati, it, it, this kind of scares me a little bit. Am I? Is my fear justified?
2: Yeah, I, absolutely. I think you've hit the nail right on the head. This is you know I don't know if it's a track weekend, but I mean this you, you couldn't. You, you couldn't, uh, um, you know, fault this team for looking ahead a little bit. I mean, some players have even said, you know, kind of quietly, but said, you know, they understand what their RPI is, and they're, you know, kind of thinking about maybe, you know, you know can they get into the tournament? Well, that's even further down the road. Uh, but just for this upcoming weekend, yeah, I think the message has to be from Love Lady is focus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and every day, every day he'll say, you know, each day's game – is the most important game of the year. He pounds that into the ground, which is great, um, but that really needs to be tarped on this weekend because if you, if you just win these games and you set it up, coming into next weekend, and who knows what uh, USF will do this weekend. I think they, they play uh, at U- they play at UConn. Uh, so uh, coming into next weekend, if they get their Cincinnati, you would have UCF, USF, one game difference in the standings, at the top of the AAC, AAC and a three game set in Orlando to basically determine the champion. I mean, it would be, it'd be amazing. The problem is don't go there yet. Right. We're not there yet. So I, I think you know, like we can talk about it cause it's the prospect is very exciting. Um, but yeah, I think the, for love lady, he can see the schedule too. He knows what that rivalry means and what it could mean, obviously, uh, for seating and, and championship purposes. Every day's game is the most important one of the year, and you will hear. I'm sure if I was in the locker room in Cincinnati this weekend, you would hear that fifty thousand times.
0: Yeah, and and and, and you're absolutely right. They are heading. uh, USF is heading to stores, Connecticut for that three game set um, against UConn. That is no walk in the park either against UConn. I mean, the defending conference champions. They're in fourth place at ten and eight in the league, twenty six and twenty overall, eight and two at home, only ten home games because the the, the snow only just stopped falling in 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 Connecticut. Yeah. Um you're looking at um you know, the other thing was you know you, you could really for, from the UCF perspective you could really feast on Cincinnati's um hitting, by the way, because they're actually dead last in the conference in team batting average at two fifty. Yeah. By perspe- uh, by contrast, UCF is fourth at two eighty. USF is the only team over three hundred there at three oh four. Uh, as a team, but UCF leads the uh, leads the conference in team ERA at two point seven seven. Cincinnati coming in at four point four one, which is fifth. But I'm looking at this sta- at these standings here, Brian, and yeah, I, I think that the it, it, am I am I right to assess that the conference is much improved overall from last season? Because even though you have, I mean, even look down at the bottom, you know, Cincinnati, Memphis, East Carolina, bringing up the rear. Um, yeah, but all these teams, all they all have, except for Tulane, they all have 25 wins or more. And uh, you know, I mean, it stands the right. reason Tulane might get to 25 wins before the end of the season. That's a sharp contrast to last year because I remember I was doing a couple games for um, Memphis at the tournament in Clearwater uh, on the American Digital Network, and they came into the tournament shy of 20 wins. And so they struggled through mm-hmm. to get to that 20-win mark. I think they finished with 21 or 22. But um, but is how much more improved is the league as a whole this year com, uh, compared to last year? And how w- may that help them out in terms of uh, uh, come tournament selection time?
2: Well, certainly, uh, you know, facing, I would say again, facing U.S. at the end of the year would help. Uh, their RPI a little bit. USF yeah. is ranked in some polls. But, yeah, I mean, going back, you know, the AAC has never had more than five teams with a winning conference record in baseball. Uh, they've, only, they've only had four in any year, and this year they have five. And that doesn't even include East Carolina, who, you know, has been beset with a, a bunch of really bad injury luck, but a team in East Carolina that came into the season as a top-ten team nationally, right, and they're at the bottom. Um, so yeah, this this conference is very strong top to the bottom because you know you've got five teams over five hundred. The team at the bottom should have been much much better, and a team like Cincinnati uh, is is still a threat at eight and ten. And it's all bunched together. I mean, the difference between Cincinnati and U.S. and UCF from second uh, to sixth is only three games.
0: Right. Yeah, it's uh, mm-hmm. you know, and think about. I mean, USF themselves are only one game ahead of. UCF and Houston at the moment, and you know, boy, they have uh, they've taken advantage of of playing so many games at home. They only played eleven games out of outside of Tampa at seven and four, but they're thirty one and six at home. Thirty one of their thirty eight wins
2: um, have so come two, at home. Two huh? things on that though. Yeah, they start their they 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 have a season, so they already played their last game at home. USF's right. last game at home was on Sunday. And they've start they've started this season-ending going into the conference tournament road trip that'll take them to UConn, Jacksonville, and UCF. But it started all it's really did start last night in Gainesville. They beat the number five Gators. That's right, fifteen to ten in Gainesville. Again, this this Bulls team is real dangerous. Uh, but yeah, we'll see what they can do with two conference series on the road to finish the regular season.
0: I'm hoping that we get them tired out before <laughs> for that three game set. <laughs> we have a chance to take the regular season. Uh, uh, to take the regular season dial, that would be, uh, that would be really something for, uh, Greg Lovelady and, uh, the Knights in his, uh, first year it would be a pleasant surprise right now. Uh, the Knights still mm-hmm. leading five to one. They're in the bottom of the ninth down in Coral Gables with one out. Uh, and, uh, actually it looks like, you know, here, here we are talking about this and Miami already has, uh, has gotten, uh, two guys on, <laughs> uh, with one out. So, uh, they're so the Knights are not out of the woods yet, but, um, but yeah, and this is against Bryce Tucker, by the way. who's given up. Who, who came in? Uh, came in a relief here in the ninth, and has given up so far uh, just one hit. But uh, all right, so let's take a look ahead at the um, as we finish up. By the way, a reminder: the uh, American Athletic Conference tournament uh, will be in uh, Clearwater at well, now it's called Spectrum Field. Uh, used to be mm-hmm. Bright House Field, and now, of course, everything got changed over to everything got changed over to Spectrum. It will be uh, following uh, not this weekend, not following next weekend, and it goes. Uh, the official dates are May 23rd through the 28th. Uh, the first day of the tournament, the 23rd, that's the that's the Tuesday. Those two games will be on. CBS Sports Network, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday on the American Digital Network online. And then the championship on ESPN News on Sunday, 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 28th. Brian, what do you got uh, cooking in in your uh, neck of the woods here with baseball? And what do you'll be working on uh, the rest of the way here as we come down the pike for these last two uh, series of the regular baseball season?
2: I will have an article up uh, either Thursday night or Friday about, uh, again, we talk about the bullpen. I, I have an article coming out about the bullpen on Thursday or Friday. Um, sort of spotlighting Jason Barr a little bit. A, a, a great story for a kid who was cut twice by yeah. the previous regime and Terry Rooney and has come back and had a really awesome season. But really the bullpen overall and how indiable they have been to this team. Uh, and then we will see how the, how the, the chips fall. Uh, against Cincinnati, and then and then get ready for next weekend. Hopefully, if the standings stay the same, it, it could be a real crowded, rocket environment at the UCF Baseball Complex, which is, you know, frankly rare to say in, in recent years.
0: Yeah, it it does set up, boy. Here we are again. See, here we are looking ahead. Man, I hope the players aren't. Here we are looking ahead to <laughs> this to this to this series. It's going to be a zoo down there 18th, 19th and 20th. If that's the case, you got three games. If UCF if if both teams are within one game say or maybe even tied in the standings heading into this game, it could be a real zoo down there. So, it uh, should be fun. But yeah. first things first, the Knights have to take care of Cincinnati. Uh and that series is taking I had the schedule up a sec. There it is. Uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday uh, in Cincinnati. That game will be carried uh, live on uh, on the nice, uh radio uh, flagship, 96.9 FM. Uh, the game, Friday at 6.30, Saturday at 4, and uh, Cincinnati at 1. And, oh, by the way, can't forget about this also. Tuesday night, last non-conference game of the year of the regular season down in Boca. Uh, against florida atlantic tuesday may 16th at six thirty. so you south florida knights down there chance to check out miami or ch- chance to check out the knights uh one more time uh, before the uh regular season concludes brian murphy thanks once again brother really appreciate your uh effort for us here on black and gold Banneret, and uh we'll be catching you hopefully at one of these ba- uh, maybe we'll be catching you at the usf series what do you say
2: I will certainly be there on Thursday and uh, Saturday. Definitely be there for those two games.
0: All right. Sounds good, brother. Thanks again. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Jeff. And thanks again to Brian. Remember to follow him on Twitter at Spokes underscore Murphy for uh, all the latest writings that he has on uh, UCF baseball as well uh, with that big road series coming up against Cincinnati. A couple updates that we wanted to bring you from uh, some of the other sports. This is a busy time, a really busy weekend for uh, what they call the Olympic sports over at UCF. Um, but uh, we did have one uh, season conclusion that we wanted to pass along to you. Women's golf uh, came in uh, 14th place in the NCAA regionals at the university of Georgia golf course in Athens, Georgia. Uh, the Knights finished the season uh, 20 ranked 25th in the country, but they finished at 14th um, you know, top six move on to the NCAA championships from the four regionals. So Uh, Emily Marin's team, uh, their season concludes uh, with that performance. But nonetheless, congratulations to them on winning the conference title, making it to the NCAA regionals. And uh, again, we wanted to to thank uh, Emily for coming on the show when she did right after the conclusion of that championship. That was awesome. And congratulations to the team uh, on a uh, job uh, well done. Uh, Ashley Holder, by the way, uh, who was the top golfer, for uh, UCF in the conference tournament, really top golfer all year, uh, finished uh, eight over for the three round tournament. Uh, it was a tough. It's a, it is a tough golf course up in Athens. I've actually been there before when I used to uh, work up in northeastern Georgia. So uh, wanted to pass along again. Congratulations to UCF women's golf on a job well done uh this year men's golf they have their ncaa regional coming up starting on monday in murfrees murfreesboro tennessee actually at college grove tennessee uh that goes monday tuesday wednesday in the ncaa regionals so make sure you follow ucfknights.com uh, for the latest on that i'm sure there'll be some live scoring up there so at some place so uh, the men's golf team getting ready uh, up in Tennessee for their journey in the NCAA tournament. And good luck to uh, Bryce Waller and company uh, as they get ready for the NCAAs. Track and field, wanted to update you on that. Uh, the American Conference Outdoor Championships are start this weekend. Actually, they go all weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday uh, in Houston uh, for uh, the Knights. Remember, they are the... Most recent indoor champions, they were the outdoor runners up last year uh, to the University of uh, uh, to the University of Cincinnati. The Knights beat Cincinnati in the indoors earlier this year, back in late February. Um, don't forget to keep an eye on Anne Marie Blaney and Rosie Chamberlain, and all, of course, all the sprinters for UCF uh, who've done such an outstanding job. Uh, the outdoor championships at Houston will be um, will be broadcast or webcast really by the American digital network starting at 1 30 PM on Eastern time on Friday, May the 12th and going through the entire weekend. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, make sure you check that out and keep an eye on uh, UCF for all the latest having to do with uh, having to do with the track and field team. Very good chance for the uh, Knights to take home the American athletic conference track championship. Uh, once again, Uh, So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Again, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from Houston on the American Digital Network. Uh, Rowing has the American Championships uh, from Sarasota. That takes place on Saturday. So be on the lookout for that as well. The uh, NCAA Championships, um, UCF is scheduled to travel to those, uh, according to ucfknights.com, May 26th. But first things first, take care of conference business uh, down at Sarasota at the rowing championships uh, on Saturday uh, for the Knights. And last but not least, men's tennis. Uh, they will start their NCAA championships uh, on uh, Friday, May the 12th, 11 a.m. Eastern against number 42 Louisville up in Columbus, Ohio. They, if the Knights win, they play the winner of Ohio State and Butler on Saturday, May the 13th. Uh, but the Knights are up there already, and they're getting ready to go for the uh, NCAA Men's Tennis uh, Championship. So make sure you follow those as well. There's a link to live stats on UCFKnights.com uh, as well. So that's going to do it for us for here uh, on the Black and Gold Bannerette uh, podcast for the week. Thanks again to Eric for taking some time to uh, join me via phone from the uh, uh, from the American uh, Softball Championships uh, up in Greenville, make sure you follow him at Eric Lopez Elo. Follow also American underscore DN. Eric's going to be doing play by play for the American uh, softball championships uh, throughout the remainder of the week. Uh, with the championship game actually being on ESPN, Eric won't be doing that. But you can follow him on the American Digital Network. Uh, he will be working the games for them. American underscore DN and American underscore S-Ball as well for all the latest and he's also doing some video features for the conference as well with Haley Otten. so be on the lookout for those uh, as well also thanks to Brian Murphy our baseball writer at blackandgoldbanneret.com you can follow him at spokes underscore Murphy on Twitter don't forget to follow us at UCF underscore banneret on Twitter you can follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon also you can follow uh, Black and blackandgoldbanneret at blackandgoldbanneret.com sign up for email alerts for any uh, podcasts or articles that come out from us uh, and also, you can uh, look us up. Uh, at least this podcast, you can look us up on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and TuneIn. Subscribe to us if you haven't yet. Rate us on iTunes, please. If you haven't if you haven't done so, uh, please do. We really appreciate it. Thanks again for you, once again, always for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. I'm Jeff Sharon. We'll catch you back with a full slate of folks next week. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast.